You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Alright, so hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Quarter Life Crisis and this is a place where we talk about all the shit that people in their 20s and 30s face. My name is Daryl and I'm with... Saraya. Hi everyone. And in this very first episode, we'll be talking about traveling solo, mm-hmm. solo travels, yep, right? Yep. Saraya, I think you have traveled solo many times, right? Um, I would say, I don't know, I was counting the other day um, because I like making lists and uh, I think it, it, maybe 10 countries. I don't know how many trips, lah, but I think it's I've been to 10 countries solo life. Well, it's considered a pretty experienced <laughs> solo travel. I've only done two. I just got back from Myanmar. This is oh, my nice. second solo trip which I've done. The, the first being Vietnam. Where did you go? Um, wow, okay. I think the, the very first one was Iceland. This was like my, after I graduated. I was like, oh, I want to find myself before I go and work, right? So I did Iceland, Czech Republic, Germany. And then after that, I get, you know, like you get bitten by the bug. And <laughs> yeah. Think, oh, I just want to keep doing this. And it's addictive, isn't it? It is. And then uh, I've done like uh, Morocco, Georgia, Armenia, Vietnam also. Yeah. Not as extensive as your Vietnam trip, which I'm sure we'll get into later. <laughs> Cambodia... Turkey, the US, all of that lah. So yeah. Well, I think you started off with a bang. <laughs> you, <laughs> I don't know. I, I would imagine if you want to start off a solo travel, you probably go somewhere nearby. You went all the way to Iceland. Why Iceland? I think it's because I that had been on my bucket list for a while. Right. And I thought it's now or never. If I don't do it now, I'm going to go home, get stuck into the rat race, and then I might put it off and put it mm. off. So maybe it's a good thing that I did it when I did mm. because... If I had put it off, I might have put it off for a really long time. And then who knows when I'll be bitten by the solo travel bug or maybe when I'm right. 50. I don't know. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but yeah, that's how it was for me. I, I decided I've graduated. I'm going to take this time, this little window mm. and just do it. Yeah. Also, I got dumped last. So <laughs> when I left the US, I got dumped. So, oh, man. <laughs> so that was what triggered my solo travel, my first well, solo travel experience. If, if the dumping didn't happen, you probably would have gone with someone. You know, maybe. And then I would have just been like, oh, you know, it's so nice to share these things with somebody. And maybe I would have never realized how empowering and enriching it can be to go mm. around on your own. But how did you get bitten by the solo travel bug? <laughs> well, I've done a couple trips before, but with friends and, and probably another another person to accompany me. But mm-hmm. the solo thing, I think it, it wasn't a bug that beat me. It, it was because I didn't have a choice, right? Oh, so I, what, happened? what happened was... Who I abandoned wanted... you on your trip? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no one abandoned me. Just no one wanted to come. That's the problem, right? Okay. So I wanted to cover the whole Indochina region, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I did Thailand, Laos and Cambodia. And, and what's left is practically just Vietnam, yeah. right? And Vietnam is really long if you look at the map and it's really massive. And for the timeline which I wanted to do, I wanted to go for a whole month. No one actually match with what I had in mind yeah. and I didn't have a choice so I was like you know if no one's coming screw it I'll go myself mm-hmm. That that's how I got into solo travelling and then like similar to you I actually start to realise how amazing <laughs> it is and, and all the funny things that you might learn that you never planned to, to ever do yeah and I and, and has it become kind of like now when people want to go on trips with you you're like ah, no need lah. I'll go on the next <laughs> one with you okay I'll go on this one first myself and then ah. I'll go on another well, one with you um, is it like that Cause well I wouldn't say I'm fully there yet right? okay. I, I obviously would prefer to travel with someone mm-hmm. but actually it, it also depends on who it is right, right? oh so true so true 
the person that travels with me has to have sort of I wouldn't say 100% the same sort of mindset but the ability to chinchai along the way <laughs> yeah. right I, I mean like can you imagine traveling with someone where you are on a really tight budget you want to travel as much places as possible on the smallest budget right mm-hmm. and and then I've done this before actually <laughs> I've had friends I was on this mindset and I had another friend who were thinking we we're going to stay in hotels instead of hostels right and they're like Good. I want the buffet breakfast and the long bath and you're just exactly, like exactly right no. and then like <laughs> I don't know if you can relate to this like for me if I'm traveling 1 to 2 km is walkable oh yes yeah right? even in the heat it's like exactly don't care slap on sunglasses some sun, yeah some sunscreen you're good yeah <laughs> and then like to some of them to hear the word kilometer itself it's like no it's, let's it's take a, a tuk tuk yeah <laughs> so so it's kind of tough I know we're kind of like straying away from solo travel a little bit but yeah you really when it comes to finding travel companions they have to be really on par with you in terms of like your comfort levels I usually go on trips with this one friend and the things we've done on our trips together um, speaking of Myanmar we once I think we took like a 27 hour train ride mm. and at one point we slept on the floor of the train station we, we were afraid of lizards like, there were lizards everywhere oh, and you yeah. know oh, that was bad another time we took a bus we took buses everywhere in Tanzania and we sat on the floor we had our faces in armpits and it was just well it's cheap so of course right. we're going to do it but I can imagine a lot of people puking in their mentally puking you know, the idea oh, of yeah. that mm. yeah um, well, speaking of all these funny disgusting things that, <laughs> that <laughs> you have encountered in your travels what's the most intense what's the craziest thing you think you have done which well now if I ask you to do it you'll think ah how did I do it okay this was in Georgia and it was winter time So all the hills and mountains are covered with snow. So there is this sort of like a uh, town at the foot of a hill called Kasbegi, right? And there was this really really cool church perched on a hill that I wanted to go and see. So I set off poorly attired. I was wearing Converse, huh? <laughs> okay, you know, aka very slippery, no grip at all. It had it snowed, so the ground was covered in snow. I had a coat. I was like, I carry handbag, okay? <laughs> I wasn't even carrying like a backpack or anything, no hiking shoes. I just set off like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to get to the top of the hill. Little do I know that it's such a tough climb and I find myself scrabbling over snow and ice and rocks and there's no clear path. At one point I was climbing like a spider like sideways across some the face of the hill alone. Alone, yeah. And suddenly some dogs came around and they started fighting with each other next to me. And I was like, "Oh god, if you one of you dogs slams into me, I'm going to go tumbling down this hill and I will die." So I just clung to the side of the hill with like my hands and like trying to find a foothold. Um and I saw some people coming and I just went, "Help!" <laughs> and they chased the dogs away and someone reached out a hand and, you know, pulled me to safety. And uh yeah, somehow I finished that entire trek, got to the top, saw everything I wanted to see. Do people usually do that alone or what? Um they you can in the summertime lah. Right. But In the winter time you have to be wearing proper gear I guess yeah. and me in my converse shoes it was never going to be easy uh, I, I still don't know how I made it to the top somehow slipping sliding crawling crawling my handbag like burst open and all my stuff fell out and I was like why am I so impractical <laughs> what's wrong with me and then coming down the easiest way was to slide on your butt So I dug around in my bag and found a plastic bag which I sat on and I remember sliding around half sliding half like crawling on your ah oh, it was it was a mess lah but you know when when you, when you come down from that and you're like there are so many times that I could have died and I'm somehow still here <laughs> it's crazy isn't it? it it is it is so that was my and I don't know if I could do it 
today. Mm. I don't know if I still have that same drive. I would like to think that I do, but the closer I get to 30, I'm like, oh, do I still have it in me? <laughs> but yeah, so that's mine. What about yours? <laughs> I don't think my story is as intense as yours. <laughs> but I think most of my crazy stuff that I did was uh, in Vietnam, mm-hmm. right? So I-, I can recall two incidents, right? Because being a first-time solo backpacker, I wouldn't say I was as crazy and as brave. So I, I was very anxious and I also took the safest step usually like assuming if you were to take a night bus from one place to another and then you reach your destination early in the morning right so what I usually do is regardless what time I reach I book the hotel for that current day Mm -hmm. so meaning I waste away half of the day so by the time I reach uh, at say 3, 4 o'clock a.m., at least I got a place to, to sleep until the next morning. But little did I know, that's not what most backpackers do, oh. right? So what <laughs> most backpackers do is they get off the bus, or they crash in the bus assuming the driver allows them or they go to a, a bus station and, and naps. Mm-hmm. So that one particular time, I wasn't traveling alone. I was traveling with a few other travelers that, in the same bus, mm-hmm. right? And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to book a hostel. I'm going to see what these guys do. And all of them decided to sleep in a bus station, right? Mm. And I've never done that before. It's my first time ever doing it. Mm. And it was freezing cold. Oh. And it was rainy season. So, oh my God. Just imagine <laughs> sleeping like for from 4 up until 7-ish in freezing cold. My bag was soaked. I was wearing shorts and, and t-shirts. So, that was that was really intense for me. I mean, it's obviously incomparable to your winter story. But uh, that's one. Another story was, I remember when I was in uh, Ninbin in uh, Vietnam. I, we went to one monastery so I, I think they start off around 9 and then they close around 6 7 o'clock when it gets dark so we had the whole day to go around but unfortunately it was tight we didn't have an extra day to, to go to more places mm-hmm. so by hook or crook we had to go to that place yeah. right so uh, we started off that place at around 5 p.m. so with one hour to go we didn't know how huge that place was it, it was I think if you walk from one end to another end of the monastery it will take you about half an hour oh so that's how okay. that's how huge it was. <laughs> they wanted the monks to get their you know fair exactly. share of exercise in every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went there thinking that it wasn't as big. So we ended up walking, walking. We didn't notice that it was closing time. Mm-hmm. By the time we finished, it was already nine o'clock. <gasps> and mind you, the monastery, sh- uh, the lights and all shuts off pitch black. They didn't lock the gate or anything. They did. So, so oh. we're getting there, right? <laughs> so I was like, oh shit, we guys, we're late. Let's get out of this place yeah. before before we get locked in. And it's like. No, 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 no. We're already here. We, we might as well just finish it up. We can find our way out later. Like, worst case scenario, you just sleep here until the, until the next morning. And then, yeah, just imagine walking in a dark, quiet monastery in pitch black. No one else around you. Just three of us. So, <laughs> Where are the monks sleeping? Well, sleeping or elsewhere praying or whatnot. Okay. Like, but, then, but then they're probably in one place and we were just roaming around. Yeah. And by the time we came out, we, we saw that the gate was shut. And then... We didn't have a choice. We had to climb out. Oh, oh no. And then, like, uh, one of our bikes ran out of fuel on the way out. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, we had to, like, push the bike while two of the other bikes went search for a, a fuel station. So, yeah. I think this is actually one of the craziest <laughs> things that I've done. La. I, it's amazing. I mean, I, can you imagine if you had gotten caught while you were climbing out of the monastery? Like, what if someone's like, oh, look at these monk trainees trying to escape, you know? They decide... To- <laughs> I don't think so. We look like monks, <laughs> monks at all. Like, two of my other other uh, uh, travel mates both of them were Caucasian oh. 
So <laughs> I don't think so. There was any Caucasian monks in Vietnam. <laughs> I probably could pass, but then I had my nose rings and earrings. So okay, <laughs> like, okay, no one would have confused you for like a novice monk. Oh yes, trying to escape <laughs> the life of celibacy and going back to being a sinner, wearing a Chang beard T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! But that that is that is crazy. But I feel like do, do you feel? I'm sure many would agree that when you're on your own, somehow you're more willing to take risks that you normally wouldn't. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Right. Like I I think we we spoke about this before. I think when I'm here at home, right? I don't think so. I would go out for meals alone. I usually look for company. What more if I were to go to like bars or clubs for mm-hmm. for drinks? Yeah. So I'll never do that here because I'm alone. And to come to think of it, it's really weird. But when I'm traveling alone, I do this on a regular basis mm-hmm. and without feeling weird because everyone does that. Yeah. You get what I mean? Yeah. And I think there is some kind of when you're somewhere else, mm. there's this sort of anonymity that you can relish and really kind of take advantage of. It's like no one knows me, so if I look silly yeah. <laughs> sitting here in a bar, I'm well, no one cares. Yeah, right. No I think <laughs> like I, I remember there's this one person which I was traveling with, and. I was always concerned on how I smelt because because you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> what were you doing? Where where was this? What were you doing every day? Was there no, no shower in your hostel? Well, no, there was, but <laughs> but mind you, if if you travel alone, I mean, chances are you'll be walking out alone or riding a bike, or by the time you come back, you're soaking in in yeah. sweat or rain or what Dust, or whatever elements they rhyme. are, right? And and I've never traveled with a stranger before, and and. And then I was always concerned about, you know, if, if I if I stink, right? And then, and then uh, I remember she she told me like, you know, I've been traveling for about three months, right? Not even one day have I been concerned about the, uh, uh, about about my scent, oh, wow. <laughs> because at the end of the day, even your clean clothes, your in double inverted commas clean clothes are probably soaked in either rain. Or even sweat. Yeah. So you, you don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> so did she ever comment on you? Oh no, thank God. We, okay. No, we were stinky buddies. Okay, okay. <laughs> you were stinky together. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, you definitely get pushed out of your comfort zone. Lah, and I think that's what I like. I, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm generally really quite shy. And I would never go up to someone, ooh, what are you eating? You know, in a restaurant, mm. a stranger, what's that? I would be like, right. don't laugh, don't, don't laugh. You know, if I see my parents doing it, because yeah. they have no filter, what's that? I just be like, no need no, no, no. What's, um, speaking of this, <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the most interesting character that you have met, that, 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 that you can recall? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know, I was actually just reflecting on my Morocco trip a few days ago and thinking of all the... There, there were a lot of rather quirky mm-hmm. but sleazy characters I met on that sleazy. trip. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about, man, I put myself in harm's way a lot. Right. There was a shepherd... I, this is a real life shepherd You know when I was small I was like Oh they only exist In Enid Blyton novels No mm. He was a real life shepherd Watching his sheep Or goats Wait that makes him A goat herd Okay lah whatever lah So he's a real life shepherd Hanging around At the foothills Of these mountains In Morocco He was just sitting Like under a tree And uh, he greeted me He said Assalamualaikum And I I knew what to say In response mm. Alaikum salam. And he was like Wow How come you can speak Arabic And I was like I, I can't I'm just from Malaysia I know 
I know lah right. what to say <laughs> lah. And uh, we went on a walk, and he was just showing me around the valley, the forest, the sheep. Were you a bit skeptical? I was really skeptical, especially because we were going further and further and further <laughs> and further into really secluded territory. And you know, alarm bells start ringing in your head when he starts saying things like, you know, he starts like. Insinuating things and suggesting things, and you're like, no, 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 like ah, got boyfriend, don't have boyfriend, so make up a boyfriend. Yeah. Ah, I got boyfriend, no lah, no lah. I mean, in the end, in the end, um, after I just rejected him a lot, he just he just walked me back to the start of the that trail, and walking away from that, I just thought that was quite dangerous, but also interesting. There was an entire conversation that we had. Oh, it, it was in French actually because his English wasn't good and my. I can't speak Moroccan Arabic, so French was our only common language. You can speak French. Oh, yeah, I learned it, learned it in uni lah. <laughs> but my French is bad lah. Okay, but that was all we had to communicate. Right. So I was just thinking, wow, I just randomly met a shepherd who took me on a very dangerous walk where anything could have happened into the woods. What you know, I could have died and been buried in the woods somewhere, um, hidden by leaves. And that whole conversation was in French. And here I am, back at the side of the trail, somehow intact, alive, untouched. What a bizarre experience. Mm. It was It was so bizarre. I think one thing back. that we could, I think I could relate is that when, when you travel, it's always easier mm-hmm. to trust someone than to be skeptical. That is so true. You find yourself trusting people that ordinarily you might mm-hmm. kind of like... You know, look at them. You, must have, you might have, you know, second thoughts. Yeah, right? or doubted them somehow mm. because you're like, oh, this guy definitely is going to touch me inappropriately. Yeah. Oh, that one's going to steal from me. Why am I taking a free ride from this taxi driver? You know, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, but then somehow you throw caution to the wind. It's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do, Daryl? Well, I didn't meet a shepherd, nor did <laughs> anyone take me for a weird trail. But <laughs> While speaking French to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, but... Uh, this was, well, sadly in Vietnam as well. Because, <laughs> like, uh, I remember I was uh, towards the end of my trip and uh, I just wanted to have a really quick dinner before I go back and sleep and prepare, like, pack up before I head back to Malaysia, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I went, I was walking around Hanoi. I was looking for a nice place to eat and I found this, this chicken rice place, right? Because, you know, I feel closer to home, like, chicken yeah. rice, right? <laughs> and then, so I was eating there alone with my gigantic backpack. And then there was this, like, three elderly people sitting down beside me eating chicken rice and drinking a beer as well so I just sat down there and after I finished my meal minding my own business the guy um, spoke to me he's like hey where you're from and yada 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 we were speaking for a bit and then later on he started speaking in Malay to me so oh. I was a bit curious why why is he speaking Malay to me from there we started talking, to Malay, uh, talking in Malay the whole night he mm-hmm. bought me a couple of drinks <laughs> um, he brought some of his friends as well we ended up talking little did I know all of them have actually worked in Malaysia for 5 years wow yeah. what and are the odds what are the odds? What are the odds, right? Yeah. And and surprisingly, we're on the same table as well. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing that I could learn from this trip is you'll never know um, who who are the people you meet in your country. You'll never step up to to a random person and start uh, a, a random conversation. But when you do it abroad, you realize that each and every conversation has something really special in it. So I think we should do it a bit more. Yeah, even when we're at home, right? Yeah. Not just when we're traveling, when we put on our like, oh, I'm a backpacker cap and like... Yeah, exactly. Like, thought- I could be whoever I want cap. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, you never know what kind of really cool random encounters mm. you will have with people. But you have so many of them when you're, especially when you're alone, um, which reminds me that you're never... You, yes, you might be traveling alone, but you're never lonely. Exactly. There's yeah. always someone you meet, someone shows you incredible kindness. You end up striking up conversations with people you meet 
in the most unexpected places. Yep. Yeah, and, and probably you'll end up having a really, really good time. Yeah, I think that's what I like about it the most because high chances are if you go with a group, you're going to stick together. And yeah, it's rare. It's rarer to, to branch out of that and meet new people. Alright, so I think we've spoken about all these beautiful things that we have encountered throughout our trip. Sraya, where is your next solo trip? Wow, um, so I, this has been on my list for quite a while and I would love to do it sometime. Well, I want to do it before I was 30. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen because I'm turning 30 in a few months. Um, I want to go to Tierra del Fuego. Where's that? It's like the ends of the earth. It's an archipelago, the southernmost tip of South America, and it's shared by Chile and Argentina. And yeah, it's referred to as like the end of the world, the ends of the earth. And there's something very appealing and like romantic with a capital R about that to me. It's just the ideas of, you know, the idea of going to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> um, what about you? <laughs> I'm still caught between taking a really, really long break and exploring uh, Mongolia Mm. because Mongolia is massive, right? It's not too big, but it's still doable. Mm. Or also depending on how many days I get off, uh, if I get a shorter break now, probably want to do two weeks in Taiwan, real quick one. Mm. Yeah, two. (laughs) I like that two weeks is a real quick one (laughs) because I mean... I, I think <laughs> maybe probably for backpackers. Yeah. Two weeks is a really weeks, short time. Exactly. Because it's like, yeah, I quit my job and I'm traveling for a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of quitting your job and traveling for a year, I think we could save this topic because it's a whole new discussable topic. We could talk about uh, our finances in our upcoming few episodes. Oh, yes. Managing your finances is a major part of the quarter life crisis. <laughs> mm-hmm. So stay tuned. We might be talking a little bit more about how we, in our 20s and 30s, we find finances a really huge struggle it's either we're never having enough money or our company is not paying us enough Mm. either one of (laughs) these join us next time see ya bye